Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John Butler speaks from the subject of Foolproofing Your Life. And now, here is today's broadcast. All right. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, the purpose of the Proverbs, is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose, so why is the book of Proverbs even written? To teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Anybody want to live a successful life? And to help them do what's right and just and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to the Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to hear your words and to be wise. Lord, help us to fulfill the Proverbs, the purpose of the Proverbs, and to live successful lives, God. Not not in the eyes of the world, but in your eyes, God. May we be successful at expanding your kingdom and becoming what it is that you've called us to become. Lord, we just add your, your we just ask you would add your blessing and your anointing, your understanding to the reading and preaching, teaching and hearing of your word. Lord, may we be doers of your word and not just hearers. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, for the last four weeks, we've explored the book of Proverbs, and we have we've kind of dived in to discover what it has to say about fools and foolishness. And there's a lot. There's a whole lot. As a matter of fact, we've just scratched the surface. I could probably take three or four of the things that Proverbs says about foolishness for the three or four things a week and probably go another month or two and before I covered what just the book of Proverbs has to say about foolishness. But I hope these four messages, the foolish thoughts, foolish tongues, Foolish temperaments and last week foolish temptations. I hope they've been both a blessing and a challenge to, to you as they have for me. But before we leave the subject, I wanted to go all the way back to the beginning of the book and talk about purpose. Talk about why the book was given to us in the first place. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is not to point out foolishness as much as it is to highlight wisdom. He wants to give us wisdom. He wants to show us what to do. Solomon specifically wants to teach his son to be wise. And he said that in the passage we just read. He said the purpose of, of, the, of the book of Proverbs is to teach people wisdom. Now, sometimes you have to point out foolishness before people are willing to listen to wisdom. And that's what he had to do. But he outlines some of the benefits of wisdom right here in this passage. And I want you to see it. He said he wants people to live disciplined and successful lives. Disciplined, successful lives. He wants them to make good decisions. He wants them to be blessed. Listen, what father doesn't want that for his kids? He wants to see them blessed, wants to see them right and just and fair and doing, doing good things. And, and, and as a spiritual father... I want the same thing for you. I want you blessed. 
I want you successful. I, I want to see you doing the things that God would have you to do and fulfilling the purpose for which God created you. It's, but you can't get there with foolishness. You can only get to God's fulfillment for you through wisdom. And so that's what this series really has been all about. Now, I want you to look at how important he says wisdom is. Just a few chapters later in, in chapter 4, Proverbs 4, he says this, My father taught me... Take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Look at this. Get wisdom. How's that for a two-word life plan, life goal? Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Wisdom is personified as a woman in Proverbs. Love her, and she will guide you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she'll make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. And we've already seen in the last four weeks what happens when you don't do that, right? Some translations say, above all, get wisdom. In all of your getting, get wisdom. There's nothing more important in your life, no matter how old you are, than getting wisdom. So you can either live wisely or you can live foolishly, but you can never do both at the same time. Because they're opposites. Foolishness and wisdom will never be found in the same place. And this entire book is set up to make that difference in wisdom and, and, and foolishness clear. You have to choose. You have to choose. So today, I want to talk about foolproofing your life. Foolproofing your life. I want, to, I want to talk about how to get wisdom operating in your life so that we don't fall into foolishness. Now, if wisdom is a river of life, then today I want to point out three streams that come together to form that river. And the more you release these streams into your life, the more wisdom flows and the better off you'll be and the less likely you are to fall into foolishness. And, and they are found right here in the Word, so I want to dive in and let's look at those three streams that flow into the river of wisdom. Here's the first one. Watch your influences. Watch your influences. If you want to be wise, if you want to get hold of wisdom, Watch your influences. Two scriptures I'd like to point out to you in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. That's pretty clear, right? You don't have to be a theologian to figure that out. It says it in the New Testament in this way. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and Paul said, Don't be fooled by those who say such things. For look at this quote, Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. News broke this week, I don't know if you saw it, but news broke this week of, of a new professional football league coming to Atlanta. Uh, and, and the offensive coordinator is going to be Michael Vick. Now, if you don't remember, Michael Vick was the NFL quarterback for the Falcons. He went to jail for his role in an interstate dogfighting ring. And if there's ever been a cautionary tale about what not to do, who not to be, how not to live your life. I mean, Michael Vick was it. Huge contract, product endorsements, incredible, almost endless talent, team support, every opportunity for success that you could ask for. But when he went to jail, he was $17 million in debt, had no money, no job, nobody around him, and nobody to blame 
but himself. But something changed for him when he was in jail. He, he was able, he came out, he was able to get back in the NFL for a few years, did some good things, behaved himself, spoke well of himself, spoke well for himself. He told the bankruptcy court that he didn't want to walk away from the debt that he had incurred. He told them he wanted to pay it back. He could have walked away debt-free. He said, nope, I'm going to pay it back. I borrowed that money. I owe them that money. And he paid back. He owed $17.4 million. He paid back $17.2 million. The judge said he'd never seen that in his life. Nobody does that. He's doing volunteer work for animal rights organizations. And he's still doing way, way past any PR benefit for him. Michael Vick changed. He went from a fool to a wise man. So the question for me is, how in the world did he do that? How did that, tra- that transformation happen? Well, I've read interviews with him, and not only did he dis- rediscover or reconnect with his faith, but that time in prison forced him to separate from his influences. He, he had to get around some different people, and I suspect because of his high profile, they kept him by himself most of the time. So he, he had time to think about the people that he had in his life. He, had, he realized they were connecting him to the life that had gotten him in trouble. He realized that, that they, were not, they were not trying to make him a better version of himself. They were trying to keep him connected to, to his old life. And so he realized that he had to make a change. They weren't making him better. They, were, they weren't trying to be a good influence on him. They, they weren't trying to encourage him. They were encouraging the worst in his behavior. So he had to cut them away. He had to find new influences. He had to find new friends. One of the biggest factors for him getting a second chance in life is that he changed his influences. And it's true in your life, and it's true in my life, that influences make a huge, huge difference on who you become. Let me ask you this question. Who are your influences? Who's influencing you? Who are the people that you hang out with? Who, who are the people in your circle? Now, some of you have a big circle of, friend, of friends. Some people have a smaller circle of friends. But who, who's in there? Who is it? And let me be more pointed. What kind of people are they? Are they encouraging you to be better? Encouraging you to be a man or a woman of God? Are they, or are they keeping you connected to a life of foolishness? Look at the people who influence you the most. If you had to choose, you only have two choices if you had to choose, are they fools or are they wise? You say, well, look, I just hang out with them. You know, I, I, don't, want them, they're not, I don't let them influence me. I just hang out. The Bible says, if you walk with wise people, you get wise. If you walk with fools, it makes you foolish. You say, well, look, I'm strong. I'm strong in my faith. I got good character. I would never let them rub off on me. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. So don't fall for the old, I got this. I'm too strong to fall. Nobody is too strong to fall. And if your influences will, will, make, you, uh, will make that either more likely or less likely to happen depending on whether they're wise or foolish. So you have to look at the people around you. The research says that you you generally become the average of the four or five people who you are around the most. Your education level, your income level, 
your influence in, in your community, all of that is generally going to be the average of the four or five people who influence you the most. So look around you. Are those the people you want to aspire to be? Or are you sort of the top of the food chain? The rest of them riding on your coattails. You need to make sure that you know who's around you. And listen, influence is not just about those who are physically with you. Who do you listen to on talk radio? Who do you, who, whose channel are you subscribed to on YouTube? Whose podcasts are you subscribed to? Who do you follow on Facebook or Instagram or, or, or Snapchat or whatever else is out there now? Who do you allow in your house through your TV? What's the underlying message of the music you listen to? Anyone or anything that has access to your mind is influencing you. I'm going to say that again. Anyone or anything who has access to your mind is influencing you, whether you want to believe it or not. And I can give you decades of research to prove that anything that gets in your brain is influencing you. Your influence, listen, your influences are either going to scaffold you or they're going to stifle you. They're either going to give you support as you reach higher and higher towards the goals that God's given you in your life, or they're going to hold you back. If you want to be a wise person, if you want to foolproof your life, then take a long, hard look at the people you spend time with, either physically or allowing them access to your brain. So if you want to be a wise person, the first thing is watch your influences. Here's the second thing, love instruction. Love instruction. Now listen, we're going to read a whole bunch of Scripture here in just a minute to support this, but, but let's be honest for a second. This one, this one takes some time to work on. This one's going to take some time. This does not come naturally for most people. Most people do not love instruction for, for a couple of reasons. One, most people think they know best, right? I mean, not you, but I mean the people beside you think they know best and number two nobody likes to be told they're wrong right anybody just love it when they find out they're wrong about something you know so our pride keeps us from learning to love instruction but a wise person learns to prioritize the decision over the discomfort a wise person would rather get it right than do it by themselves and so they humble themselves and they learn to love instruction. So instruction comes in two forms. If you learn to ask for it before you act or before you make a decision, then it comes in the form of advice, wise counsel. Or if, if the instruction you get is after you've already acted, then it comes as constructive criticism. It comes as evaluation or discipline. If you accept either of those as a way to get better and wiser and more effective, then you value the instruction. You value the discipline. You value the evaluation. If you take it personally, then you're destined to repeat your mistakes and remain exactly as you are right now. The only way to live wisely is to learn to value the input of other people. Now, I was fixing dinner one night this week. And our six-year-old came in the kitchen, pulled up a stool because he's too short to see otherwise. 
pulled up a stool, observed for just a minute, and he looked at me and said, that's not how you make sloppy joes. I said, boy, look, nothing good ever happens after boy. I'm just telling you. It's the way my daddy raised me. Boy, I said, you ain't never made sloppy joes in your whole life. You don't know nothing about it. You better get out of my kitchen while you can still. I shoot him like a chicken right on out of the kitchen. Me telling me how to make sloppy joes. Now listen, not everybody's advice should be accepted with equal weight. All right? If you're trying to fix dinner, I would not recommend you ask a six-year-old. Ask somebody who actually knows what they're doing. That boy ran. He's like, oh, Lord, I'm in it now. I can't do nothing to him, but he, he was gone, boy. He, he liked them sloppy joes, even if I did it wrong. Ask somebody who knows what they're doing. Seek wise counsel, not just anybody. Don't just grab somebody off the street and say, what you think? If, if you're, listen, if you're not good at doing this first point, then, then this one's more important for you. If you're not good at choosing your influences, then you really need to be careful whose instruction you listen to. If you walk with the wise, you're going to get wise counsel if you listen to them. If you walk with a bunch of dummies, you're going to get some stupid advice. Now, listen, honestly, it's often very uncomfortable to do this, especially when you're first starting, when you're first developing this discipline in your life. And especially if you're a leader, you, you want to feel like you know what you're doing. You, you want to think that, you, you, well, you do think you should have all the answers a lot of times. And you want to be seen as the expert. But listen, if everything is about avoiding discomfort and saving face, you'll never get any better. The only person who thinks that you are supposed to have all the answers is you. Everybody else has already figured out you don't know everything. Everybody around you appreciates the effort that you would go to to get the input you need to make a better decision. They appreciate it. Pastor Craig Rochelle is a pastor that I've learned a lot from in terms of leadership. I don't think I've ever heard the man preach. But I love his insights, his input on leadership. And, and, and he says they've worked hard at his church to create a culture of feedback. A culture of feedback. They evaluate everything. And he said he hopes there's not a member of his staff that could not walk into his office and say, Pastor, I'm not sure about this. Or, hey, I've been thinking about this. I think we could do it better this way. Or, hey, that illustration that you're planning to use this week, I'm not sure that's the most effective thing. So, you know, maybe you can think, find a better way to illustrate that. It, it takes a lot of humility to be accountable to people like that. But if you trust that they have your back, if you trust they're on your team, and that they share your goal of being the best that you can be for the kingdom of God, then listen, you learn to separate the do from the who. You learn to separate the do from the who. That's what they call it. They, they know they're assessing what they do, not who they are as people. And that makes all the difference in the world. See, wisdom comes from experience and perspective. And if you don't learn to listen to anybody else, then you'll only have your own experience to pull from, and that's always going to limit you and, and, and you, destine you to have to learn everything the hard way. But if you learn to value instruction, then you can learn from other people's successes and failures. 
Every lesson they've learned will then be at your disposal. All of their collective wisdom will inform your decisions. And the more you can leverage other people's experiences and perspectives, the better off you are and the more effective your work and your decision making will be. When you walk with the wise and you love instruction, then it it, it shows up in your decision making and in how you live your life. Let me show it to you now in the Word. We're going to read like the whole Bible, so y'all just hold on, all right? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 8. The wise are glad to be instructed. They're glad to be instructed. But babbling fools fall flat on their faces. Verse 14. Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. Y'all remember that a few weeks ago? If all you ever hear is yourself talking, you'll never get wise. So you have to be quiet and listen every once in a while. Proverbs 12 and 15, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Not six-year-olds, but others. All right, Proverbs, uh, what is this, 15 and 5, only a fool despises a parent's parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. There you go, those who are still living at home. The Bible says you need to learn to appreciate what your parents tell you even when they're disciplining you because they love you. A wise person is hungry for knowledge. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. They just feed on that. They don't care. They don't want it to be... They don't want the instruction to have any sort of merit or meat to it. They just want a bunch of junk. Proverbs 17 and 10, A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. You tell somebody that's got some sense, one thing that they can learn, and they'll love you forever. And it'll change their lives because they love instruction, they do something about it. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. A fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. All right? Proverbs 28, 26. Those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. And here's the last one in Hebrews, in, in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Right? Anybody ever got a whipping? <laughs> it's painful. Nobody's like, yay! My, my daddy's got a paddle in his hand. Awesome. Right? But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. The root word for discipline is the same as the one for disciple. The purpose of discipline is to teach. It's a form of instruction. If you get disciplined and you choose to learn from it, then you're wise. You get wiser. If you choose not to learn from it, it's just punishment. But you get to choose. So which which one are you going to choose? Sometimes... You have to go with your gut and make an executive decision. I get that, and that's fine, and sometimes that's what you have to do. But if you're always the smartest one in the room, if it's always your ideas that get chosen, if it's always, you know, if, if you're always the one who has to do everything, then you are the biggest obstacle in the growth of your company or your, or your business or your department or your ministry or your family. And you are hindering your own personal growth. And a word to the wise. If you aren't going to do what they suggest, then don't ask for their input. 
right? Y'all have worked for that guy or for that lady, right? If you're going to be a dictator, just go ahead and be a dictator. But if you're going to waste their time by asking for their input only so you can ignore it, it just ruins morale, ruins your credibility. So don't even bother. Don't even bother. But listen, there's a better way. There's a better way. A wiser way. Learn to love instruction and counsel and and input and discipline and evaluation and constructive criticism. Learn to love that stuff. If you can learn from it, take it and be grateful. That's what a wise person does. Now here's here's the last one. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. And this one's the most important. I want to show you in in, in several different passages. Proverbs 1 and verse 7. Fear of the Lord is the foundation, or the beginning in some translations, of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here's Job 28 and 28. And this is what he says to all humanity. The, The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Psalm 111 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom, and all who obey His commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise Him forever. Proverbs 9 and 10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Proverbs 15 and 33. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. And look at this. Humility precedes honor. You see the connection there, scripturally, between wisdom and the fear of the Lord? According to Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest man who ever lived, there's nothing more important than getting wisdom. And he says there's nothing more key to getting wisdom than the fear of the Lord. It is the very foundation of wisdom. Wisdom is built upon and contingent upon fearing the Lord. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? It it means to honor Him. It means to revere Him. It means to put Him in in the highest place. It means to obey Him. To do what He says. It's not so much about you being terrified of Him as much as it is to acknowledge that He has supreme power and that He is a true and holy and just and jealous God. You recognize Him for who He is. So why should we prioritize the honor and the reverence and the worship of God if we're looking for wisdom? Well, there are a number of reasons, all of which revolve around the understanding that God is the source of wisdom. I want to show this to you. First of all, He created wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1, and then in verse 22. Listen as wisdom calls out and hear as understanding raises her voice. So she's being personified as wisdom. In verse 22, the Lord, this is what wisdom says, the Lord formed me from the beginning before He created anything else. God created wisdom. It comes from Him. Now, here's the second thing. Not only did He create it, but He gives wisdom. He still gives wisdom. This is really interesting. I want to show you this in Matthew chapter 10. So y'all hang with me for a second. Matthew 10, verses 40 and 41. Anybody who receives me receives the... um, Anyone who... Lord have mercy. Let me start over. Anyone who receives you receives me. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. Are we there? Did I say that right finally? Okay. 
Verse 41. (laughs) Hurry before I try to say that again. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you'll be given the same reward as a prophet. Isn't that what it says? And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you'll be given a reward like theirs. So let me ask you, So let's, let's review this. If you receive a prophet, you get what a prophet has. You receive a righteous person, you get what a righteous person has. Let me ask you a question. What happens if you receive God, the author and the creator of wisdom? Then you get what He has. You get His wisdom when you receive Him. Is that not an incredible gift? So the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom because He's the source of all wisdom. And when we honor Him and we receive Him, we get to share in His wisdom. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6. For the Lord grants wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So the closer we get to Him, the more of His knowledge and understanding we get to hear. Why else is the fear of the Lord connected to wisdom? Because He not only gives it, He gives it liberally. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He'll give it to you, and He won't rebuke you for asking for it. Not only does he, did He create it, not only does He give it, but He's not stingy with it. He'll pour it out in your life if you'll ask Him for it. Now, the next thing is He, he gives wisdom supernaturally. He gives wisdom supernaturally. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, to give the gift of wisdom is what he's talking about. He gives the gift of wisdom. He he gives it as a gift from above, not as a result of experience or perspective, but a supernatural manifestation of God's power, listen, in the moment you need it. When you pray and you ask Him, sometimes He teaches you through experience or through instruction, but sometimes He just downloads it to you right there in the, on the spot in that moment. And He gives it to you instantly. Look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 11. And when you're brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. Because the next verse, and I didn't ask her to put it up, the next verse says, because in that moment, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Now, that's not the way to live your life. That's not the way to prepare for a message. But, but Jesus is saying there will be moments when you get taken by surprise, you get arrested. Quit worrying about it. Quit stressing about it. When you open your mouth to testify in your defense, I will give you what to say in those delicate situations when you don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you instant wisdom to help diffuse the situation and defend the cause of Christ. And it, and it happened over and over again in the rest of the, record, uh, of the recordings in the New Testament. Listen, there is no question that the fear of the Lord and wisdom are connected. If you want to be wise, you have to have a healthy fear of God. But how? How do you do that? Honor Him. Worship Him. Follow His Word, obey His voice, accept His correction, recognize His authority, live with the understanding that we're going to stand before Him one day and give an account for the things that we've done with the breath that He placed in our lungs. Once you start living your life like that, 
once you start living your life like you're going to actually see Him. You're going to meet Him. It changes. It changes you. It changes your priorities. It changes your, your motives. It changes your actions and your attitudes. It'll, it, that understanding alone will run foolishness out and invite wisdom in. Ask wisdom to sit down and then drink in everything she says to you. You'll appreciate the people that God brings into your life to help push you and to help you and to challenge you and to teach you and sometimes even the ones He brings in to irritate you because it leads you to wisdom and it makes all the difference in the world. Listen, you, you've lived long enough to know this. Bad, bad decisions are costly. Bad decisions are costly. If you ain't got time to do it right the first time, you sure don't have right to do it, time to do it twice. So it's always better to slow down and get it right. So they're costly. Mistakes are painful. Foolishness makes life difficult. Wisdom is offered to us today. We don't have to stay ignorant. We don't, we don't have to live foolishly. If we'll learn to choose who and what we allow to influence us, if we'll learn to love instruction, even when it hurts our feelings, if we'll develop a healthy fear of the Lord, then we can see the blessing of God and the, and the wisdom of God. We can, we can experience the presence of God as He moves and operates in our lives every day. Solomon said, above everything, get wisdom. So let's ask God for it today. Why don't you stand with me, please? We're going to pray. I'm going to invite you to the altar. I'm going to ask them to sing something. And the altar will be open for anything that you want to pray about. Whether it's in response to this message or if you've got anything else in your life that you want to pray about, then you are welcome to come and pray. And members of the prayer team or the staff of the council will meet you here and we'll pray with you. But I want to, ask, I want to encourage you with this today. You can ask God. He said if you need wisdom, let Him ask of God. So maybe you need to ask God to help you break free from negative influences in your life. God might have shown you there's some people in your life who are not trying to make you better. So ask Him to bring some positive influences in your life and help you cut off the negative ones. Or maybe you need to, you need to ask God to help you stop being so defensive and so independent and start seeking and receiving instruction. To prioritize the do over the who. Quit taking everything personally and start listening to how you can be better. And here's the last thing. Can you imagine what would happen in your life if you say, God, help me to live with a healthy fear of you. To realize that what I do is important to you. To realize what I do is important to my future. And whether or not I connect with the, with the purpose for which you created me. We need that fear of the Lord in our lives. Let's pray. This altar is open now if you'd like to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do. We pray that you've been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler. You can hear today's message in its entirety by visiting our website at covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage, 
just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.